0: the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophoris. Some signs that the red hot housing market could be starting to cool off. New reports show that we're starting to see slower sales and even price growth in different parts of the country. Joining me now to talk about the state of the housing market is Simon Chen. He is the CEO of ERA Real Estate. Simon, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So first off, just tell me what you are seeing within ERA with your franchisees across the country. Is this slowly shifting to become a buyer's market from a seller's market?
1: Sure. Uh, I would definitely say that we're still looking at a seller's market. With the tightening of inventory, uh, we're looking at historic low inventory volumes right now about three months' worth of supply. And if you were to ask an economist, which I'm not one, a typical healthy, quote unquote, supply of inventory is about 6%. So we are still feeling the pain of a very tight inventory market and what that means to to buyers.
0: Now, we we know that homes are moving fast in, in much of the country. Um, has that started to slow? Are there fewer bidding wars? Are our properties staying on the market a little longer than they had been, say, just two or three months ago? I think that's true. But right
1: now, it's really only at the very high end. So markets like Miami, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York City, for example, um, are starting to actually see ultra-luxury homes. And by ultra-luxury, I would say over 3 to $5 million, um, starting to sit on the market a bit, whereas before there used to be uh, bidding wars. Um, the dynamic to that, obviously, is that if you're at that sort of price point. Uh, Typically, you don't need to move because of job or home situations or what have you. You typically want to move because it's more of a uh, a lifestyle purchase. Uh, So when we start to see softening at the ultra high end, that's usually a good indicator that it's going to trickle down to more reasonable price
0: points. Let's talk about housing affordability because many in in this country cannot afford a home right now, especially people entering uh, and first-time home Buyers, uh, affordability is the worst in about a decade. Uh, from your vantage point, what is the culprit? Is it low inventory? I think it, it's, if you look at the source,
1: it sort of goes back to the economic recovery after the market crash in 2002, 2007, and eight. So the market has been in real estate, uh, sort of a bull market that has been growing steadily since. downturn. Um, And I think it's picked up a lot of momentum, but I, like I just mentioned, we're starting to see some softening of it. Uh, And I think that's the primary driver, is that people have reacted to not purchasing properties for quite a long time after the market burst, um, and they got back into the market. But just like with any market, uh, you're starting to see softening at the upper end, and Wall Street Journal actually just did a survey of a group of economists recently, and two thirds of them anticipated that there would be a recession. And they were very specific. They said in 2020. Um, So that's something that we're sort of looking at as well.
0: So fears of a recession could be, how, how might those fears affect the housing market now? Would people say, oh, let me buy that home now or let me move now before the recession hits? Uh, I think it's the
1: opposite, actually. If you're a buyer, you're usually thinking that, hey, the affordability is going to increase as recession starts to hit, um, and therefore, you might wait a bit, a year or two, uh, before entering into the market. And that coincides actually quite nicely with what you mentioned earlier, which is the affordability. Um, Home prices have outstripped um, home wage increases year-over-year for the past, I believe it's five years in the very least, um, almost doubling. So home prices have more than doubled the rate at which um, home income has increased. Um, So I think for the majority of the U.S., the average consumer, they're sort of waiting for the market to soften. Now, mind you, they're not anticipating a crash. They're just anticipating a bit of a softening.
0: But on the flip side, a a seller might say, well, I should take advantage of the opportunity now and unload so that I don't have to drastically reduce the price of my home if I am trying to sell during a recession.
1: You're exactly right. Um, So the buyer's market is obviously the opposite of a seller's market. And so um, the flip side of that is true as well. What we are anticipating and those economists are anticipating is that as the market starts to soften, it will become more of a buyer's market. So sellers, um, if you follow that sort of guidance, I should probably be looking to try to sell in the next couple of years as well.
0: Where can you get the most bang for your buck right now in in this country? Where can you really get value for your money when it comes to, to owning a home? That's an interesting question.
1: Um, You know, there's always going to be a lot of pockets all around the U.S. Uh, One town that just jumps out at me anecdotally is Plano, Texas. Um, And I never would have thought that uh, in a suburb of Dallas, would be a hot spot, uh, but I've personally seen a lot of folks from Southern California, for example, relocating to Plano uh, because you know Toyota relocated their U.S. headquarters, for example, and a number of other big companies are out there. And I've seen an incredible amount of diversity um, as well as growth within Plano. Uh, so that certainly seems like an interesting market, and the prices are much more reasonable, obviously, than in uh, than Los Angeles.
0: Mm-hmm. What? About, you know, people say, well, what about the the home builders? They see there's a need for, you know, um, introductory homes on the market. Why aren't they out there, uh, you know, building more homes? We actually saw US new home groundbreaking and permits. Uh, fell in June, which, as of this podcast, I believe is the, is the most um, recent number we have on this. Uh, why is that? Is it Is it labor and material costs are starting to pinch uh, contractors? Is it higher mortgage rates? Why aren't we seeing home builders buy more entry level homes? Or build more well, entry level homes, I should say? Sure. So
1: new homes are always a nice dynamic, obviously. they represent about ten percent of the market on average, in the marketplace, it's about 600,000 units. Um, ERA actually just did a deal that we announced last month with BDX, which is a consortium of the largest home builders in the U.S., for exactly that reason, to be able to give our agents better access to the new home inventory that, until we did that deal, have been difficult to access. You know, uh, I just bought a home recently in New Jersey, and I literally had to Google to see where there were home developments in my area, and it shouldn't be that hard, you know, especially for the average consumer who may not have the resources available to them that I do, um, it's even more painful. So we did that deal for exactly that reason so that consumers can get access to new homes. New home starts over the past few months had actually been going up, it's starting to cool off again, and I think it's because they're running out of space and they're running out of uh, reasonably priced properties to be able to build. Those new homes on because it's a seller's market. Uh, so they're, they're again starting to bash up against that um, ceiling. Mm-hmm. However, in some of those markets like New York or like a lot of these areas, there are already properties that have been in development for the last one, two, or three years that are coming to market that I actually feel like will start to loosen up
0: mm-hmm. the inventory
1: uh, for the buyers.
0: I'm curious who is driving sales right now? Is it the millennials that we hear so much about? Are they hunkering down and saying, you know what, time to buy a house? Is it uh, women? Is it married couples? Who is driving the sales at the moment? So the top is still married couples, but interestingly enough, the second
1: uh, and one of the largest populations representing about 20% of the market is single women. Um, So single professional women. Um, who tend to be out purchasing single professional men by a substantial margin uh, are looking for homes where they're not necessarily waiting for, uh, you know, to get married or to build a household or whatever. They're like, hey, look, you know, I'm going to go out and establish myself um, myself and then, you know, uh, find a life event or what have you later down the road. Uh, so definitely the case, and they tend to buy more expensive homes by and large than Know the single men do. Uh, Millennials are an interesting uh, population because by the time prior generations have reached this age for average age of a generation, uh, usually they have about 60% of their population have become homeowners. Um, And so what's interesting about the millennial household uh, dynamic is that, yes, they're starting to pair off. Yes, they're starting to develop households, but only 30% out of the the population have actually purchased homes, so thirty percent versus sixty percent. So by this age, prior populations or prior generations, sorry, have already bought sixty percent of their population have bought homes, whereas millennials only thirty percent. So it means that you know half, basically, of millennials uh, that it would have ordinarily bought homes in prior generations have bought homes, and so we definitely view that as a as a um, a population of buyers that's coming up.
0: And what do millennials want in their uh, first-time home? I, I don't know if it's much different from what prior generations wanted, but sort of what's what needs to uh, check the boxes for them?
1: It's a little bit different because they they being millennials have obviously waited longer than prior generations to buy a home, and with each successive generation, the average age of homeowners becomes a little bit uh, later. Um, So because they're a little bit older, because they built their households, because they uh, have higher expectations generationally, they tend to buy homes that are a little bit more expensive than maybe the starter home that I bought, for example, when I first bought my my first home.
0: Is that Um, because, let me interrupt you, is that because they have more buying power or because they're willing to stretch a little more saying, you know what, I want a little bit more house? I think it's both of those.
1: Uh, I think they're a little bit older and therefore their incomes are a little bit higher than mine was when I first bought my first house, as well as um, usually they're waiting until they've built a household, right? So they've, they've paired off, they've got a spouse or what have you, or a significant other, and uh, therefore they might even have dual incomes. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of prior generation, uh, single males oftentimes went out and bought homes uh, when they were relatively young and then built a household after right. that. Right. Um, now it's sort of, they're waiting until they have a household and they're moving out of their parents' garage or what have
0: you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ERA, I just want to talk about about your company for a moment and, and its roots because it's it stands for Electronic Realty <laughs> Associates. It was founded all the way back in 1972. So what did the electronic stand for in the 1970s?
1: So the electronic in ERA stands for the humble fax machine. Um, <laughs> it's which, a relic. You know, it is a relic. And we've actually got one of the original ones, which is the size of what would be a you know an inkjet printer these days. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I remember. In our, yeah, in our living room. But the funny thing about that is that when people meet ERA agents or if they join the ERA brand as a broker or an agent, they're always sort of surprised at how collaborative we are and it's a it's a really fascinating dynamic, uh, because we're really not just willing to share best practices or what's making us successful with each other, we're almost eager to. And we trace it back to the humble fax machine. Because even though these days, you know, with our mobile phones in our pockets, we've got more processing power on our mobile phones than probably what sent the astronauts to the moon <laughs> in the late sixties, you know. Um the fax machine was really the first time that you could not just collaborate, because there's always been the phone and the teletype obviously prior to that, but actually conduct business over uh long distances. Um and I think that's really what fostered an awful lot of what makes ERA unique in our culture. And it was you know the humble fax machine um, these days we use Skype, we use uh, you know video conferencing and Facebook for an awful uh, facilitating a awful lot of that collaboration amongst our network. Um, so it, it's neat to see how technology has always been an enabler. Um, you know, in our history.
0: Now, I know ERA recently launched its new uh, augmented reality and virtual staging technology uh, that's okay. designed to make luxury home shopping a little easier. Tell us what what that's all about. I, I believe it's called Show Off. I like the name. That's right. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah. So it's part of our
0: distinctive properties, which
1: is a unique website experience um, and branding experience for our luxury properties uh, within ERA. and. We've, I saw an interesting statistic recently that it said something like 75% of people, uh, when they go in and look at an open house, lack the ability to envision it, present it in any way other than just how it looks right now. now true. That is true. So, um, and I know that I'm certainly one of that 75%, <laughs> which is why you know, we would, as a listing agent, for example, do what's called staging, which is we decorate the home. So that it looks as nice as possible for the majority of people and that's sort of the point so what show off with our distinctive properties reality experience allows you to do is basically say you know what i don't like those countertops i don't like those floors i don't like that wall i don't like you know the paint color or what have you and you can change it on the fly while you're standing there or while you're sitting there browsing the property the comfort of your own home 24-7. So it allows people to be able to see how the property might look in their sort of design aesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really exciting.
0: Any um, any plans to have this be for all properties at some point, not just the luxury high-end properties? Uh,
1: one might think that that would be a logical extension, sure. <laughs>
0: and is it a free uh, service or an app, a free app for users? It- it is, yeah, it's free to users
1: on distinctive properties right now.
0: Uh, and what could be really exciting is, you know,
1: I've been trying to push our user experience to what my wife has always wanted, which is she can browse homes that we can't afford, for example, and say, hey, I'd like for my kitchen to look like that, or I'd like right. for my living room to look like that. Uh, and that's really exciting so that so she can do that. But then even more so, and this is what scares me the most, is that eventually I could foresee a day where she could say, hey, that's a great you know, sofa or a lamp or what have you, click on that and it could be on its way to, you know, Uh to us uh, and be able to, you know, design, decorate, but then also purchase and create a much, much more rich consumer experience.
0: Sort of has that Pinterest feel to it where you can click, find out more about the item and and go all the way to purchase it. Exactly
1: right. Yeah, exactly
0: right. I'm curious with all the technology out there. Some people make the argument that, you know what, it makes the need for a listing agent um, less. Do, do you buy that argument at all? I would imagine you don't, but I, I'd like to hear <laughs> hear from you as to why not. I mean, when people can, can research on their own uh, pretty much everything about a property, um, why do they need the agent?
1: You know, so... We have a seller's market right now, uh, and I shared with you earlier you know, some of the stories about how we differentiate our buyers' offers from the rest of the buyers' offers to hopefully be able to, to quote-unquote, quote, win a property. Um, and I know with all of my purchases that I've done in my own life, that was sort of the, the secret sauce that got my offer to win over the others, and it, it didn't always have to be that I was offering the highest price. Um, it, typically, I wasn't. The highest priced offer, um, and that's you know what agents know and understand. They have expertise in the local market. They have expertise on what's selling and how. They have the ability to present the offer, uh, or you know, the seller as a human and what that human is looking for. That isn't always about price. It's actually oftentimes not about the price. Um, and in this day and age of all of this data as we'll call it available to anybody that wants to look it can actually be overwhelming um so for example my my daughter had a rash the other week, you know, Mm -hmm. and so my wife got on WebMD to look up what potential causes of this rash might be. Mm -hmm. And she called me screaming because she freaked herself out. Exactly. You know, there were 52 different sources of rash (laughs) in the first search alone, each one progressively scarier and with pictures, which trust me, you don't want to have to. I've
0: I've gone down this rabbit hole, Simon. I know. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Right. And so, Data is important, and I love the transparency that it provides for, provides to the average consumer. However, WebMD hasn't made doctors go away. LegalZoom hasn't made lawyers go away any more than the Internet or technology or the availability to see a lot of these things will make realtors go away. Mm-hmm. For the primary reason that having a human – who has worked in this industry for years and years and years, developed the expertise as a trusted advisor, and can help navigate you through all that plethora of information, mm-hmm. is and always will be valued. Now, the dynamic will certainly evolve over time. Um, you know, consumers are certainly coming to us much more educated, knowing more about properties and knowing more about different inventory available to them. And those are all good things. Because that helps leverage our time as brokers and agents to be able to offer the real value to the consumer, which is our expertise.
0: You know, you mentioned that sometimes it's not all about price, but f- for other sellers, it, it really is. And we see that a lot of folks are coming to the market with all cash deals, which is very hard for somebody to pass up. Um, are you finding that those all cash deals are in abundance? Is that starting to slow down? And and I'm curious if those cash deals are coming from foreign buyers.
1: Um. It- So NAR, I haven't seen the latest numbers, but NAR last year published that year-over-year international buyer purchases of properties in the U.S. went up 70%. Wow. So, I mean, it's still going like gangbusters. My own brokerage that I started, what, 17 years ago was built on that premise, and so it's actually fascinating to me that 17 years later, it's still going up 70% year-over-year international buyers. And you're right. International buyers, particularly you know, my own brokerage who works with Asian investors, mm-hmm. are looking to diversify their portfolios out of their home countries. And yes, they oftentimes can be uh, you know, cash buyers, and it makes it hard to compete in the U.S. A dynamic, though, that is somewhat unique to cash buyers is that oftentimes they feel like, hey, I'm paying cash, and therefore I expect a discount or I expect mm-hmm. a deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a seller, actually, you're getting paid either way, whether the, the buyer has a, a you know a mortgage or whether the buyer's offering all cash. So it's not as compelling as you might suspect. The only thing that an all cash offer mitigates against is, um, you know, the buyer needing to be qualified. Exactly. And for
0: some or, that that can be, you know, especially if they're on a tight uh, timeline, that could make yep. all the difference. It could. You know, absolutely. Um,
1: But, you know, mortgage lenders are obviously cognizant of that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I haven't seen the statistics to see whether or not uh, all cash versus mortgage buying has, you know, sort of stabilized and is starting to slow down or what have you. Uh, But anecdotally, we're certainly still seeing. An awful lot of all cash buyers in the marketplace.
0: And just tell us, sort of, uh, lastly, how your agents um, are looking to to help the client to make the deal. I'd imagine they have to get creative sometimes. If you can share some of those um, those stories or tactics with us, I think I think that would be very interesting to our listeners. Sure, um,
1: you know. So the value of a real estate agent cannot be underestimated. There are certainly some competitive models. That have been emerging since the market has been moving and that it's been a seller's market where you know admittedly it's not hard to sell a home these days because it has been a seller's market for the last at least five years or so mm-hmm. uh, the difference though is are they selling it at its highest and best price mm-hmm. you know and the effort that brokers and agents make Typically, to be able to help their clients sell at the highest and best price in a seller's market, is what can really make a difference. So, for example, in my you know Facebook, in the last week alone, I've seen ERA agents, for example, uh, mowing the lawns for their clients before an open house, so that it presents nicely. You know, uh, one lady used. Uh, kitchen scissors or actually regular you know, scissors or whatever to trim the edge grass before an open house. There was another lady that used a fork to comb the tassels on the edge of a dining room uh, carpet mm-hmm. before an open house so that it looks just right. So is that excessive? You know, maybe, maybe not. I'm, the clients certainly appreciated that, but it's important to understand that a home is, you know, most consumers' largest and most important purchase, and it is their home. It's where they emotionally bond to it. And all of those little steps that you can take to make it feel like it might be their home for them mm-hmm. will free up the opportunity to have more people bid on it, therefore driving the price up, as well as more people being able or willing to bid more because, gosh, they really want it. You know? and, every,
0: and everything was just so. during the and everything <laughs> was just so, I mean, one of my favorite little tricks
1: when I was practicing is that I would take a roll of cookie dough, that frozen stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I know, put it on a pan, set the temperature to just two hundred degrees. I'm not actually trying to bake cookies. You just want I just- the aroma. Exactly right. And
0: so, you know, people would come in and I don't think I've ever had anybody say, oh, I hate that smell. Everybody walks in and says, like, oh, my gosh. No Unlike cookies. a candle, right? Because you take your chances with candles. Those scents exactly. can turn some people off. And but, you know, who doesn't want a, a home that smells like fresh baked cookies?
1: Who doesn't want cookies? Exactly right.
0: <laughs> Simon Chen, CEO of ERA Real Estate. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.